Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie.ag. The UFC is back. International soccer is back. NASCAR is back. Boxing is back. Golf is back. The NBA and NHL will be back. And their casino is open 24-7. If you use the promo code SGP, you can get up to $1,000 in deposit bonuses. That's with MyBookie.ag and the promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you in part by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network College Football Tournament. We're simulating real college football playoff-type games that you can bet on every Saturday and Sunday night in June. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. We're also brought to you in part by Bespoke Post. Each month, you'll get a box of awesome filled with $70 worth of gear for only $45. Skip any month you want and cancel any time. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code SGP at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. The code is SGP for 20% off your first box. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch we're only interested in underdogs who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset time to find out it's three dog thursday now here's your host tj reeves well hello there and welcome into the latest edition of the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs we have entered the month of june and we're getting lots of sports back in here and we're ready to talk all about it i am merely the host here on three dog thursday i've got some special guests coming up reminder however you found the show subscribe uh via apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts spreaker etc subscribe away uh whether you found us on a social media post or you found us through sportsgamblingpodcast.com subscribe 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 it comes automatically to you whenever the new podcast is out on thursday you don't have to do anything it's hassle-free ding right on the phone right on the ipad however you consume those podcasts Love to have you subscribe, rate, and review the show uh, as well. And we're going to be busy today on uh, this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Brian Edwards back with me from Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Brian, uh, always loving handicapping. And now that the NBA has got their official plan back in play that involves regular season games, 22 teams, not just the 16 teams that are slated to be in the playoffs, Brian has got some insight and analysis on all this, some future betting, and much more. Uh, plus, he has some thoughts as well on the unfortunate death of a former Florida Gator football star, really a high school star in the area where I am, Rishi Caldwell, uh, here in the Tampa Bay area, was a, a high school state championship football player, later went on to the University of Florida and earned All-SEC and honorable mention All-American status, then went on to the NFL. Rishi Caldwell shot to death this past weekend 
uh, has definitely had a sordid uh, post-playing career. Anyway, Brian wrote some about him. He's got devotion, obviously, to the Florida Gators. And Brian also with great insight on the UFC. We're going to talk some boxing and much more. So Brian Edwards will lead the show off here on Three Dog Thursday. Then we're going to catch up with Jason Sobel. Love his insight talking golf. Uh, from the Action Sports Network. You know Jason from his days with ESPN and ESPN.com and also uh, the Golf Channel's coverage of the sport and GolfChannel.com. He's now with the Action Network, and and if you're looking to gamble on this week's Charles Schwab uh, Challenge, uh, the uh, the event in Fort Worth, Texas at Colonial as the PGA Tour resumes. Jason has got some great insight on some golfers to watch out for to possibly win this tournament. Who's got the best odds? What might it look like for Daily Fantasy? Again, Jason Sobel from the Action Network on the tour resuming. I want to put it to him, too, because it's been 90 days here. What kind of feel do we have on how anybody's going to do from Phil Mickelson to Rory McIlroy to Dustin Johnson. No Tiger at this week's event. Will Tiger be playing next week on the revamp schedule at Hilton Head? How many more events will he play this summer in and around the majors? Of course, we haven't had the Masters. The U.S. Open is delayed. They're not going to play the British Open. We're going to end up playing the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup in back-to-back weeks in September. The Masters not until November. Jason Sobel will talk all about this with me when he is on the show about golf resuming and some uh, some gambling angles, some betting angles uh, with that when he comes up on the show here in a little bit. We'll then close things out with a conversation with my buddy Dave Woloshin in Memphis, longtime broadcasting friend, uh, great friend of mine from the Memphis radio market, really uh, has been the top voice in that market for sports talk and Memphis Tiger football and basketball for 30 years uh, plus now in Memphis. Wolo will be here. What does he think about the NBA resuming, and what does that do to the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the number eight seed as it stands right now before they resume in the Western Conference playoffs? I have to believe that in Memphis, most of the fans of the Grizzlies, most of the people in and around Memphis, want the playoffs to begin right now. Forget about the regular season. Instead, go with the go with the Western Conference playoffs where the Grizzlies are in. Wolo will talk about that. I'll see what he thinks about the resumption of the NBA using some of the regular season uh, with some of the teams, not all of the teams. We'll get his thoughts on that. Uh, he'll also have some comments on some golf because the PGA Tour is slated to come to Memphis, one of the traditional tour stops. And could Tiger Woods be playing there for the first time? A lot of the big stars, like Phil, like Brooks Kepka, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, they're going to come play this World Golf Championship event in Memphis. Are there going to be fans there? How will that look later in the summer? We'll get Willow's thoughts on that. And... I want to talk a little boxing with him. This was a big anniversary this week in heavyweight title boxing where Lennox Lewis, the Hall of Famer, knocked out the iconic Mike Tyson, who had already been beaten some before Lewis fought him in June of 2002. But once and for all, Lewis cemented his legacy with an eighth-round knockout of Iron Mike. It was in Memphis, Tennessee. Dave Woloshin was there uh, covering it as part of his radio and TV duties, and he's got fantastic stories, including who sat around them on the glitz and glamour of fight night that night. Here's a hint. Uh, Big-time Hollywood star, even to this day, sat right by Wolo for the Lennox Lewis-Mike Tyson fight at the Pyramid in Memphis. He'll tell that story later on in the podcast if you are with us. So look forward to the guests coming up. Uh, Again, as you can probably tell, I've said this before, I'm not in favor of what the NBA is doing. 
uh, with resuming part of the regular season, but not all of it. I mean, where's the integrity uh, on that part? Uh, either have everybody come back and resume for a few games or just move on to the postseason. I've said that regularly. We're going to talk more about this with Brian Edwards in a few minutes and later on in the show uh, with Wolo. So I really believe the NBA has missed out on having games sooner. Uh, Can you imagine if they were playing playoff games right now? I mean, we're seeing what the NASCAR, what the boxing midweek is doing in prime time. And even if they only have a million or a couple of million fans, there would be four or five million watching these NBA playoff games as standalone uh, right now. So uh, for the life of me, I don't know why they're not ready. Uh, I am on the record, and I will say this, I'm sure, again later on in the podcast. I believe it's a mistake to wait as long as they are and play as much as they are and play into the football season. They're also risking the coronavirus cropping back up and maybe stopping things as opposed to getting done now when it has lessened and you have the opportunity to come to Florida, which is opened up uh, in phase two right now of allowing. Uh, people, spectators, etc. If you want, it's just uh, to me, I-, I can't figure that part out uh, for the NBA. We'll talk more about it with our guests and with all of it resuming. So I-, I am not on board with Adam Silver's plan that's now been released. And I'm on the record as saying I believe it's going to backfire when football engulfs their postseason. I know part of what they're thinking is, hey, on a Monday night, on a Wednesday night, we're showing an NBA finals game. But, you know, Monday night, you'd be head to head with Monday night football. About the only week that you don't really have a game would be like a Tuesday, Wednesday, or a Friday. College and the NFL rule the other nights starting in August and September. So that's what the NBA is up against. Uh, again, with Major League Baseball, we, the clock's still ticking. We're, we're here on Three Dog Thursday now in the second week of June, and there is no deal. It's looking more and more like there won't even be 80 games of a regular season if they elect to play at all. I still say for the players, bravo. Stick to your guns. The deal is the deal. They agreed, the owners, to play for prorated money. If you're playing 80 games, you get paid for 80 games worth. If it ends up being 50 or 60 games, that's what you get paid. They should not back off of that because the owners now want to try to take away as much as possible. And as we discussed with Grant Paulson uh, back a couple of weeks ago, there's a collective bargaining agreement negotiation that's coming up here. And if you start setting a sliding scale of salaries and how to reduce them, that's a salary cap. I understand totally the players fighting that right now. They should continue to publicly uh, blast the owners for going back on the deal, for not wanting baseball to be played, for not wanting more regular seasons to be uh, games to be played. The, the players, again, are willing to play, as they offered earlier this week, over 100 regular season games. If we end up with only 50 of them, 5-0. In a typical 162-game schedule, you're going to play 50 regular season games. That ain't because of the players. That's the greed of the owners, and the players should continue to put stink on them about this. And the mistrust is warranted from previous years of what the owners have done, as we've talked about on this podcast. So again, if you're a baseball fan, smarten up, wise up. It's not the players not wanting to play. It is the owners that are, that are at this point wanting to go back on their deal and be the greedy owners that they have been in the past in baseball and screwing it up. These are the same collective body owners that did away with the World Series in 94. And again, that Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, 30 for 30 is coming this Sunday night where they, where they tried to bring baseball back after killing the World Series in 94 and trying to use replacement players in 95 to stick it to the Players Association. So the players are just supposed to forget 
that those are the tactics that the owners have used in the past. Let bygones be bygones while you take away our money uh, from what we've agreed to and want us to play for less and have a sliding scale where the players who make the most are not just going to make less, they're going to make 75 or even 85% less to go play games. Ridiculous. Ridiculous on that front. And the clock continues to tick. Now, as we're releasing on Three Dog Thursday, 11 days into June, no hope, no hope of playing regular season games in June. The best hope is start up in July, maybe July 4th, maybe mid-July. Get a deal done. Get these guys into spring training. Get baseball rolling by July 4th. You're going to beat the NBA and the NHL back. So we at least have a chance. But again, for Rob Manfred, show some leadership. For the baseball owners, I I totally understand why the players and the fans should never trust you about saying that you're losing money. Get the deal done, and let's get at least 81 games and get it going in July, I say. All right, there you go. There are my comments. Let's get to our guests. Brian Edwards up first, followed by Jason Sobel of the Action Network talking golf. Dave Woloshin of uh, Sports uh, 56 WHBQ Radio in Memphis. He'll be with me talking up uh, not only the Grizzlies situation, uh, but also the golf coming, PGA Tour coming to Memphis, and much more. All of the guests straight ahead. Let's get rolling here on Three Dog Thursday. Yes, here he is after we took a week off. Uh, he and I have chatting together, but this guy, he's never off the clock with MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. He is Brian Edwards back with us, handicapping left, right, and down the middle, whatever it is. Future odds, maybe it's UFC right now. We're about to get the golf back. We've got boxing going on, soon to be NHL and NBA. He covers all of this through MajorWager.com. Good to have you back uh, here in the month of June um, on Three Dog Thursday. How are things? Hanging in there? Yeah, yeah, TJ. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, uh, eighty or as of as of late Tuesday afternoon, uh, eighty three returning scholarship players at Florida had been tested, seventy six negative, and they were still awaiting the results of seven. Uh, obviously, talking about Corona, not PEDs. <laughs> but I'm sure they'd be well, negative for PEDs. Well, the uh, the vast majority of college football programs are coming back around. Now we had some Alabama players and some Oklahoma State players that did, and we're gonna we're gonna I'm sure talk about this repeatedly, not just on this podcast, but in the future. You've got to have plans and preparation because this is going to happen. You're going to have people. Uh, players and people associated with your football program, coaches, other staff, this is uh, they're going to be positive tests. And so what do you do when there is a positive test? That's That's got to be the guideline, not just for college football, but when the NBA, the NHL, and heck, uh, golf resuming later this weekend, you got to have those uh, policies, procedures ready to go. What are you doing, right? Yeah, Woj's article said the NBA was, if somebody tests positive, uh, the the team will keep playing, but that player will go into quarantine for no less than 10 days. And that team um, will have uh, like daily tests to make sure that whoever tested positive didn't spread it uh, to them. So um, hopefully it's going to work out. Let's hope so. You wrote about this. Let's, let's pick up on that part of the theme. You wrote about the NBA proposal to come back. You and I have not yet talked about it here on Three Dog Thursday. Fundamentally, I said this before you came on, I believe they have gotten it dead wrong on two fronts. They should have been back before the end of July and therefore finished before football season cranks up. 
But the other part is, if you're going to resume the regular season, then resume the regular season for everybody and play it out either to 70 games or all 82 games. I again say here that what they're doing by manipulating the end of the regular season with some of the teams, it's it's really delegitimized, if that's even the right way to phrase it, the right word. They, they've taken away the integrity here of the end of the year when they could have, as you and I have just agreed uh, more than one time, just start the playoffs. Call the regular season over and start the playoffs. So, Brian, you wrote about this. Now that you hear the 22 teams, some regular season games being played, what is your reaction to that, please? Um, I think it's a little aggressive now from uh, just – self-absorbed standpoint for me um you know i'm having a great year in the nba selling picks so the, the more games and the longer the season goes that you know that's that's good for me but i i think it i think they you know i think you should have just gone with the 16 teams that's less players and more, less testing and less you know room for error if you will and then going all the way into October is is just wild to me, um, and and I guess the, the thought is they will not start next season, uh, the twenty twenty one campaign until Christmas Day. That that that's just crazy to me. But I mean I'm okay with it. Just and look, I mean, boy, we're, we're gonna have a fun September and October. I mean, we're gonna have the NBA Finals, you know, wrapping around week three and four of the NFL and college. Uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, it just kind of messes up the next season. And then for, you know, I'm a Hawks fan, you know, the Hawks are going to, I mean, I know they're still talking about maybe doing some summer league stuff that they might, you know, have, you know, televised and hopefully be able to bet on and not be the, just the rookies <laughs> and second year players. Um, but, you know, the, like teams like the, you know, those non 22 teams invited or not invited, um, are going to go nine months without a game. Yeah, that, that's wild. Um, so well, you always way. you always want me every now and then to playfully say to you, "Hey, watch out on the degenerate angle." I mean, if you're betting on summer league NBA basketball with all else that's going on right now, you're really you're really tempting the degenerate uh, part of your psyche and your makeup. Uh, on, <laughs> on that. But, but I'm, I'm thinking they're going to have the whole team, though. Oh, like, interesting. Well, uh, you know, isn't part of this that the NBA wants to showcase its most important postseason games when there would theoretically be more people not on summer vacation, et cetera? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen next month with COVID-19 or not. But, I mean, to be projecting into September and October, part of this motivation has to be we believe there are going to be more eyeballs that are going to care about our NBA Eastern and Western Conference Finals, even on neutral site, maybe no fans, probably no fans, um, in September and October than we do in June. That's what the motivation apparently is, at least part of it, to spread it out like this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if um, if we have a, a second wave and we're like, that's what sucks so bad about the pandemic is, you know, we didn't have, I mean, if we had to be home, can we at least watch some ball exactly. games? Exactly. And we didn't have them, so... Um, yeah, I mean, look, the pandemic was no fun, but if we had had bets and ball games every night, I would have thought the pandemic was awesome. It would have been I mean, better. No, it would have been died. right, yeah, but it, I understand what you're saying. It would have been better and a better way to pass the time than watching the old timey games. So you wrote sure. about this on MajorWager.com, and the new championship odds uh, were put out earlier in the week uh, about this. 
What are you really, I mean, everybody's going to look at the Lakers and the Bucks as the overwhelming favorites in the West and in the East, but what do you like about those championship odds now that they've revealed the format and how it's going to play out? What stands out? Real quick. Well, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to have any preformed opinions. I mean, this is unprecedented to have a season restart after three months, so I don't want to have any preconceived opinions. I want to watch those eight regular season games and see who was eating too many cheeseburgers during the pandemic and, you know, who's, who's out of shape or, or who's picking up where they left off or, or who doesn't have legs on their jumper. So, I mean, I think everybody from a handicapping standpoint needs to just, you know, watch those eight games and not just think everybody's going to pick up where they, they left off. Um, but it's unprecedented, so it's going to be tough to handicap, but I want to watch those games uh, before I, you know, bet any futures. But Lakers are plus 250, Bucks plus 275. Clippers three to one, and those are the three main contenders because the next shortest odds are Rockets and Celtics is at sixteen to one each. Now you were talking jokingly about cheeseburgers. You've seen the social media photos of James Harden, who looks uh, gaunt, maybe a little strong of a word, very thin. Uh, he he definitely has lost fifteen or twenty pounds uh, right yeah. now in the in the photos that I saw last week. So I mean, it, it is going to be a concern about who's going to get back into into good playing shape or playing weight or what's this going to be like? What kind of injuries? We don't know. That's the big point, right, Brian? We don't know with some of this. So it's good to have some of these games uh, to at least try. Uh, to get, but you are saying stay away from the Grizzlies and the Magic at a thousand to one, who are both in the eight spots right now in the West. These we, we can safely say uh, not happening for them, right? For sure, for sure. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. Kyrie and Durant said that they are not playing, regardless. And yeah. uh, Aldridge is out for the Spurs and Bogdanovich for the Jazz. Just a couple of injury notes there. Oh, well, and and keep in mind, in the case of Durant, uh, off of the torn Achilles, he would be healthy enough to come back for Brooklyn, who's right in the thick of things. V- very interesting, uh, especially if you're bleeding into August, September, October, not just playing this in June and July. And obviously they never got off the ground to play it in June, that he would be fully recovered, uh, but electing not to play. Uh, still a mess there with the NBA and uh, and with their announcement, obviously. Uh, speaking of futures, let's stick with uh, with football because you said something to me that that came out that may have that may have already been out there, but you've been looking at it more as a futures odds in terms of college football and the Heisman Trophy. Give me the name that you like right now, Brian Edwards. Alabama running back Najee Harris is eighty to one, and I, I was shocked he even returned for his senior year. Uh, he carried Alabama back into that game with LSU, even though they came up short last year. He had 13 rushing touchdowns, went for over 1,200 yards. He had seven receiving touchdowns. Going back to 2018, he averaged 6.7 yards per carry, 783 rushing yards. We've seen Derrick Henry uh, and Mark Ingram win the Heisman Trophy at Alabama. You know, Mac Jones got some starts last year, but, you know, is not that seasoned veteran like they've had the last several years with you know, uh, Tua or even going back to Jalen with all that experience. So maybe they run the football a little more this year. But uh, regardless, I think Najee Harris is one of the best running backs in the country. And at 80-1 to and knowing he's going to be on a title contender, uh, that's, I mean, gosh, uh, 20 bucks gets you – wait, more than once. No, it gets you 1,600, Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
on uh, on that. Well, but I mean, again, you you're looking at uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, like you talked about before. Uh, they're they're going to be the predominant favorites. Then again, Alabama has had Derrick Henry and has had Mark Ingram as running backs win the Heisman Trophy here in, in this century. So maybe may not be a bad play uh, if we're talking. And about really, that. they can and they can just win the trophy in November. You know what I mean? A, a great performance in against Auburn and the SEC championship game and LSU. Those three games nationally televised with every Heisman voter watching. Um, you know, if they're just having a you know a good year, they can make it a great year with that stretch. Yeah, and Burrow is the proof of that. Exactly what you're talking yeah. about because he lit up Alabama last year for LSU uh, late in the year, and then uh, obviously dominant in the championship game uh, as well, and that solidified the Heisman Trophy for him. Not saying that he wasn't almost already there. But uh, that that definitely solidified it. Hey, speaking of college football, before we move on, and we want to talk UFC with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, and also he, he wants to delve into the boxing, which debuted earlier this week for top-ranked boxing, at least anyway, the most prominent boxing promotion in the United States to restart fights, and they're going to be fighting frequently in Las Vegas in kind of their own biodome all through June and July. We'll talk about all that with Brian in a moment. But you wrote about, and this is near and dear to you and me, we're in the state of Florida uh, former Florida Gator star, former NFL uh, player Rishay Caldwell shot to death this past weekend in my town uh, here in Tampa. I live in the northern suburbs of Tampa. Uh, Caldwell, a Tampa high school star at Jefferson High School, leading them to a state championship before helping the Florida Gators uh, to all the success that they had. Got drafted in the NFL, ended up playing with the Chargers, but also with the Patriots and Tom Brady. So Caldwell shot to death under under suspicious circumstances of was this an ambush? Um, you wrote about this. You wrote more about his career, but it's really a sad end at 41 years old to, to what was a prominent star football player. Yeah, um, he was a great receiver along with Jabbar Gaffney in those Rex Grossman quarterback years for the the Gators when you know Grossman finished second. Uh, in the Heisman in 2001, those were some really good uh, Gator teams. And uh, it, it, NFL career was a little bit disappointing. He was with the Chargers from 02 to 05, but then he goes to the Patriots and he, and he has a career year. And actually, they were they were playing against his former team, the Chargers, in the AFC semifinals. And he actually had the touchdown catch from Brady that tied the game. That was that 14 and two Schottenheimer uh, San Diego team. And, uh, and then they ended up winning that game on, on a late field goal. But most people remember those two drops in the AFC Championship game and the Colts rallied from 21 to 3 down and they went 38 to 34. Um, and those, those drops really haunted him. He was only in the league one more year and they kind of made some bad decisions off the field. No violent crimes, but had to go to prison for 27 months for, um, uh, he, he was running a, an illegal gambling house and, right. uh, and and had some minor drug charges, so uh, unfortunate. Rest in peace, Riche. Well, and and he had pled guilty in this ring uh, of uh, healthcare fraud invo- involving numerous former NFL players, including former Saints receiver Joe Horn, who has also pled guilty. Uh, Tameric Vanover, who was a prominent player at Florida State and played in the NFL as well, was one of the ringleaders of the of the fraud. And uh, and in this case, Caldwell was mixed up in that. It pled guilty, was was scheduled to be sentenced later in June. 
Um, and, and there's there's great speculation about him being targeted and shot to death and why. The Tampa police, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, they're all investigating. Uh, you know, and even Tom Brady has come into this market, Brian. You know this as the new uh, Buccaneers free agent acquisition, and he has been active a couple of times on social media about Richie Caldwell being his teammate, like you mentioned, in that 06 season um, and, and expressing sympathy and shock at, at what has happened here. So in the midst of all that has gone on with coronavirus and with, with protests over Black Lives Matter and social injustice, that you had this shooting death of a former college and NFL star for this market as well. And you can read more about what Brian wrote about Rishi Caldwell and his career at MajorWager.com. Let's cheer it up a little bit, a bit and bring it back uh, to the combat sports and the fistic art. Uh, all right, so we did not get a chance to talk to you last week about UFC. Give us the latest here because they held their fights in Las Vegas um, at their performance center. And uh, and now you've written more about this fight island that's going to be happening as well. Uh, tell me more about, about what's going on with Dana White putting these fight cards on and, and throughout the summer it continues. Yeah, so the fight island is going to be Yaz Island. Um, over in Abu Dhabi, they're going to have four shows and the July 11th card is the first one. There's three title fights. There's five former champions, two current champions on that card. Uh, it's going to be headlined by Gilbert Burns against Kamaru Usman. And as I suggested a couple of weeks ago, we cashed with, uh, Burns as a, a healthy underdog against Tyron Woodley. He's won six in a row going up against the champ Usman, and he's a plus-180 underdog at the Westgate, and I like him in this fight. He and Usman have been teammates for a long time. They're familiar with each other. I think that they both respect each other's ground game, and that'll cancel each other out, and I think it'll be a stand-up fight, and I like Gilbert's hands uh, better than I like Usman's. Uh, The other title fights, former featherweight Jose Aldo, fighting for the vacant Bantamweight belt that Henry Cejudo vacated to retire. He's fighting Peter Yan, and uh, the other title fight is a rematch between the former champ Max Holloway going against Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, and that's a 145 featherweight bout. Holloway was minus 200, lost last time. This time, Volkanovsky is minus 200, and I think Aldo uh, and Holloway look attractive as pretty generous underdogs and uh but they're gonna do four shows over in abu dhabi fight island and then there's all there's the contract disputes you've got john jones conor mcgregor and game brad masvidal three of the most uh well-known fighters in the ufc uh, are uh bickering with dana white publicly on social media etc and so that's big news in the UFC world right now. Well, there's there's no doubt that when those biggest names are squabbling about how much they're paid or the rank and file is paid, that can be trouble. Uh, and, and we'll see. I mean, you got to give Dana White some credit that he's been able to put these fight cards on with no fans. And obviously they're struggling trying to figure it all out. They want the gate. They want the live crowd money and revenue. But right now this is what's available to them. So... Uh, we will see as they continue to have fight cards. And I know uh, that with uh, the prominent 
uh, boxing promotion top rank boxing starting back up its fight cards and they're they're going to do this again all through june and into july twice a week and in some cases three times a week they are fighting in las vegas same location biodome type setting for the coronavirus testing everybody in the same hotel uh everybody eating basically in the same uh ballroom areas uh, where they can basically control the environment of everything that happens. So they had the first fight card on Tuesday night, Brian. I know you were you were piqued a little bit about this with Shakur Stevenson, a featherweight undefeated world champion. He'll be 23 years old later this month. And there was an interesting uh, betting odds proposition that was out there for Stevenson's fight. It was a non-title fight against a little-known opponent uh, from Puerto Rico named Felix Caraballo. And Carabao actually hung in a lot more rounds than what than what most thought that he would against Stevenson, who is a former Olympic silver medalist, heavy-handed puncher, undefeated. It was good to see boxing back, and even Brian Edwards was was peaking some at this a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, and so and we talked about this a month ago how boxing was missing a great opportunity, and you know I've been you know fully told you, you know, I, I just haven't been that interested in boxing over the last decade. Well, last night I could hear all the pre-fight for Shakur Stevenson going on on my TV downstairs. I was upstairs without the TV on working and I'm listening to it and it's kind of intriguing me. So I go down and I start watching and I look at the odds and I, I noticed the over under was five and a half shaded to the under minus 190. And so as I'm watching the fight and I enjoyed the fight, um, as it's in the sixth round, I'm like, well, you know, he looks like he might knock him out pretty soon, but it was coming down to the wire. And so with a minute 32, he knocks him down and they kept running the clock. And, you know, you and I texted each other. We find out later <laughs> it was over by one second. But when they showed the replay, that that ref who I've recognized, he's a veteran ref. Right. He, he, he did his arms like he was waving it off. And I thought, it should have been under, so I'm glad I didn't have a heartbreaker. Oh. So, so again, the under-over on the Shakur Stevenson knockout was five and a half rounds, and when veteran referee Tony Weeks, who's worked dozens of big title fights, he was the referee in Vegas, he waved the fight off immediately, Brian, without yeah. a count, and there is some controversy as to whether did that happen at the 129 mark, the 130 mark of the of the round in question, or the 131 or greater mark. It goes down officially yeah. as like 131 or 132 of the of the sixth round. So you're talking about a heartbreaker, man. You would be upset if you if you had the under uh, on that. And, and Stevenson is a great prospect. There's some question as to whether yeah. he hurt his left hand in the fight. If it's not serious, right. Stevenson even said last night, Brian, he would like to fight again by August in this same kind of sure. scenario and be busy again and have his name out there. So. It- and, you know, now I'll be interested in that guy. And that's what the opportunity boxing has until we get back to team sports. Is now I'm going to want you to give me a heads up. Every time Stevenson's fight, right. Stevenson's fight, you tell me and I'll watch. And that's what they can do with this next month is that you get fans interested in personalities and boxers. And hopefully that'll happen. It'll be good for boxers. It will be good. A few more moments. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider to find all of his picks and to find all of his insight and his great content online. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a second. And again, Top Rank will have numerous shows. It's interesting that Golden Boy Promotions, which has Canelo Alvarez as the prize fighter, they're not back fighting yet. 
uh, you know, without getting too much down the rabbit hole, they've got issues with DAZN, the streaming service, as their main broadcast outlet and, and how to get fights on through DAZN and when. Uh, it's apparently going to be July for them. And then you've got Premier Boxing Champions, which has the likes of Deontay Wilder, Errol Spence, some of the top American uh, fighters and names on Premier Boxing Champions. They're not back fighting yet either. It's probably going to be July, if not late July, for them. So right now, these top rank fights will take precedence. The UFC, again, deserves credit, and Bob Arum and Top Rank deserve credit for finding a way to at least provide the programming uh, here for sports fans that are starved because UFC and boxing beat the NBA and beat the NHL and even beat the restart of Major League Baseball back to the TV sets and back to the box office. So uh, credit on that front. All right, as we're talking about here, uh, great stuff. On uh, on all of this, whether it is again football futures, the NBA, whether whether it is the UFC ongoing, we get the PGA Tour back this weekend. They can read all about all of this info through MajorWager.com, right? Correct. And follow me on Twitter uh, at Vegas B Edwards, and you can follow Major Wager Twitter at Major Wager Uno U. And, oh, as always, enjoyed it. TJ, thanks for having me, and I uh, hope you have a great uh, rest of the week and weekend. Still to come, Jason Sobel talking PGA Tour resuming for the first time in 100 days. They're playing a PGA Tour event in Fort Worth, Texas this weekend and a slate of rescheduled and uh, stuck-together golf tournaments that will be going on through June, July, and into the PGA Tour playoffs and eventually the U.S. Open, the Ryder Cup, and a November Masters. Jason Sobel will be with me on all of that. Dave Woloshin from Memphis talking some Memphis Grizzlies, uh, talking uh, some PGA Tour golf, the Lennox Lewis-Mike Tyson uh, anniversary fight from 18 years ago. Wolo's got great stories. All of that still coming up here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Whether you're down on your luck or you're down just because you're stuck, find relief with MyBookie because there's never a quarantine on fun. And the guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast are hosting Madden simulations every Thursday and Friday, plus their college football tournament games Saturday nights and Sunday nights that you can bet on with MyBookie.ag. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT to find out more about the college football tournament. All the earnings from MMA and simulated sports not coming quick enough? Well, try your hand at the MyBookie Casino. You get instant access to hundreds of classic slots and table games, new blackjack tournaments starting every week, uh, all of this and more through MyBookie with their casino. Plus, if you're a fan of betting on any sport, and it's all starting to come back, whether it's UFC, NASCAR that are already back, boxing starting up, we're going to have the NBA and the NHL soon, uh, golf is back this weekend. You've got all of that that you can wager on at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code SGP for Sports Gambling Podcast. Promo code SGP. And MyBookie's going to match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. You put in $100, they'll put in $50. You put in $500, they'll put in $250. You're getting free money to play with through MyBookie just by using that promo code. With MyBookie, you bet, you win, and most importantly, when you win, you get paid. And remember the promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Bespoke Post, and if your mailbox is anything like mine, about 90% of the time it is depressing to go through the political flyers, the bills, all of the coupons, all of the direct mailers. 
But every once in a while, you do have a reason to be stoked to go out to the mailbox, and that's because of the Box of Awesome from Bespoke. You've got all of these different things that you can get from boxofawesome.com, from all the different categories of outdoor gear, grooming products, barware, cooking tools, all of it comes in your Box of Awesome. It's been carefully built in collections for every part of your life. You get started by taking a quiz at boxofawesome.com. It helps them pick out what's right for you, and then they send you a new box every month from various amounts of categories. It's free to sign up. You can even skip a month, cancel any time at no obligation. Each box is 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And right now, we've got a great offer for that box of awesome. By just using this promo code SGP, you get 20% off that first monthly box. Again, remember the promo code at checkout, SGP, when you go to boxofawesome.com. 20% off your first box ordering right now with the guys at Bespoke Post. It's boxofawesome.com. Remember SGP to save 20% off the first box from Sports Gambling Podcast. And we're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. If you've ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help with everything that you need. An all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. And again, all the sports coming back. You've got UFC, you've got NASCAR, boxing now back, golf back. Soon enough, it's going to be the NBA and the NHL resuming their seasons later in the summer. Ace Per Head offers it all, including live betting, amazing mobile experience, Get started today, and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Go to aceperhead.com for the offer slash SGP. aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more about the free offer that's up there now with Ace Per Head. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed. The PGA Tour has now returned as of this week after a 90-day hiatus. The tour is back, and to give me some insight, I always love catching up with Jason Sobel. It's been a long time with ESPN, with the Golf Channel, now with the Action Network right up our alley here when we're talking about odds and some daily fantasy and some wagering on these different golfers. Good to have you here with me. I always joke whenever I get a chance uh, with you and others that I know well. Thank you for returning my call and my text message. Whenever I put the bat signal out, you guys are always good about coming back around. Good to have you. Good to be talking golf and good to have golf back now starting this week. Yeah, first of all, good to speak with you, TJ. Come on, as soon as you text me, I race to the phone. I text you <laughs> back right away every single time. Uh, we've been longtime friends. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's great to talk about some golf. It's great to have some golf action coming up, some some real golf. I mean, for those who are following Outlaw Tour and Cactus Tour, uh, I mean, you know, good good luck and hope you hope you did pretty well over the last few months. But let's get back to some golf that uh, we actually uh, could recognize these guys if they are walking down the street in front of us. Very true, although you just prompted me. I've not had a chance to ask you uh, about this, but we did talk about it a couple of weeks ago that they had uh, the celebrity match, uh, the Capital One celebrity match with Tiger and Peyton Manning, Phil and Tom Brady. 
Uh, tremendous. I, I realize we're biased, Jason. We're golf people. But even if you weren't a golf person, everybody loves football and knows those two names. And it was a lot of fun, and it was well-produced, perseverance through bad weather. Uh, they, they did a great job and raised a bunch of money, including through donations and uh, you know the interaction of other people coming on on interviews uh, to donate money. Those are my thoughts, but I, I really thought it helped re-energize people to start watching golf to watch that. What did you think watching all of that? I agree with everything you just said. I think you hit the nail on the head with well-produced because what we've come to learn about these matches is that they're less about the golf and more about being a TV show. And so you can't expect four players, just like they did for the TaylorMade Skins game the week before, which really didn't go over very well, even though you had four really good players in it. Uh, it's less about the golf itself and more about just having some fun, being entertaining, having Justin Thomas and Charles Barkley as part of the coverage and them throwing out some banter back and forth with the players, the players giving it to each other. That's what it needed. And I, I have a feeling these guys have kind of figured it out now, and that's what we're going to see moving forward the next time we have one of these things. Yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a lot of fun, uh, right down to Tom Brady, as I've jokingly said, and you know I'm affiliated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their radio broadcast, and so I will be around Tom and Rob Gronkowski and how bizarre is all of that going to be when it all starts back up. But Brady was spraying it all over the yard for the first few holes, making it very obvious he had not been playing a lot of golf since coming to the Buccaneers as a free agent acquisition. <laughs> but then, then he hits the shot that we're going to talk about for years years to come on this no matter what happens with the hole out on seven and we can all identify with that right in golf because we all usually end up hitting at least one shot in a round where we go okay now I'm coming back for more that that tells me that's my sign of hope there's my signal that I can get better at this game right TJ they could probably do a 30 for 30 documentary on Tom Brady's four-hour round he's lost all like three sleeves of golf balls <laughs> He holed out the fairway. He rolled in an eagle putt that Phil had hit onto the green. He split his pants. Yes. He won a long drive contest with a three wood. I mean, uh, just had a little bit of everything for Tom Brady. And as a Patriots fan, a longtime Patriots fan, when you do see him, can you pass on a message for me in the Tampa locker room? Yeah. Can you just yeah. tell, me, tell him that uh, I just kind of thought he was a system quarterback. You know, I, I think anyone could have been that good I in the thought, last 20 years. I thought I, that you were going to say what I've heard from several others, you're dead to me. I'm not passing along you're dead to me from all the New England fans. Uh, hopefully they're doing better on uh, on that. But, yeah, I agree that right, right down to ripping the pants and uh, all the different stuff that happened. But great theater. They'll be hard-pressed to follow that one up. And again, that that kind of whetted the appetite, if you will. And so now we get the first PGA Tour event. And this is not a ho-hum situation. First of all, very famous course in Fort Worth, Texas, Ben Hogan's course, Colonial, and a star-studded field. The top five players in the world here, from Rory McIlroy to Dustin Johnson and even a legendary Phil Mickelson part of this. This is not just a garden variety, who's going to show up, we're not sure, tournament uh jason how impressed were you that the list filled maybe you're not surprised that the list filled out this way after a 90-day layoff for uh, coronavirus and and what we've been dealing with but man it's impressive how many big names are there well i think it shows us two things tj first of all uh these guys trust the pga tour they're on board with all the 
uh, precautions and all the testing that will be done in advance of this tournament and the uh, forthcoming tournaments. And secondly, these guys are bored. They've been sitting at home. They want to get out and play some <laughs> golf. They want to get out and compete. They want to go out and do their jobs. I think it would be a lot worse sign for the tour, a lot worse sign for golf itself if uh, if nine of the top ten in the world were saying, you know, I think we're going to just sit at home for a few more weeks. I'm not really sure about this whole thing. So the fact that all these guys are out there is a really good thing. And when we get into handicapping this one, I'm telling you, this might be – the toughest tournament we've seen to handicap in an awfully long time. First of all, you've got uh, a packed field at the top. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the top five in the world are all there. We've got nine of the top ten in the FedEx standing. So uh, that's really tough. And a lot of these guys have never played or only played a few times, haven't played in a while. Rory McIlroy, number one in the world, has never played Colonial in a competitive event before. And then the fact that Colonial is just, it's a tough course to figure out. I mean, it's a shorter course, so you have guys who are more shorter, accurate hitters who can contend and even win there. Kevin Na last year, Kevin Kisner a few years ago, Steve Stricker, Zach Johnson over the years, David Toms, and yet over the last few years, John Rahm with a couple of top fives. He's a big hitter. Tony Finau with a runner-up finish. He's a big hitter. Brooks Kepka, same thing. He finished second one year. He's a big hitter. So, really kind of levels the playing field and brings everybody into the fold and that makes it much much tougher when you're trying to figure out who's going to play well in this thing voice of jason sobel with me from the action network they love taking a look at the odds the lines on everything with sports at the action network great golf insider humorous follow anything that has to do uh with golf uh we love his insight as he joins me here on the three dog thursday podcast uh, you mentioned uh, trying to figure this out. I mean, Phil Mickelson famously won this one uh, about a decade ago, making birdie on 18. Actually, I think from a from an adjacent fairway, hitting the ball uh, on the 18th, which has water down the left side of the uh, of the fairway and the green, hitting the ball from that fairway through a tree, only in Phil fashion, through a massive tree and knocking it whole high and then knocking birdie in to win, whole hum. So Phil has had some dramatics at this course. And, and one thing you wrote about is we have no feel right now for who's really been playing well. I mean, it is the same for everybody, and we really might think, hey, Phil's going to play great or, or Roy's going to play poorly. We don't know. That's that's one of the hard things to handicap here. Yeah, and that's really I meant to say that in the last part. I'm glad you brought that up. That's sort of the buried lead there is that, you know, the, the course in itself is hard to predict anyway. The fact that we've got players who don't don't normally play this tournament, that makes it harder. But of course the fact that nobody's played in competition in over three months and so we don't know what to expect. You go back and look at how they were playing. If you need a little reminder, oh by the way, Rory McElroy is really good. He's finished in the top five in each of his last seven worldwide starts going back to last year. John Rahm, number two in the world, has looked like number two in the world and at times looked like number one in the world. He's been fantastic over the past year. Webb Simpson, who's as undervalued, underrated as they come, he's been really good. This course should be right up his alley. He's got a couple of top fives on this one. And then you start looking a little bit further down the list, TJ, and you find guys who, you know, again – I don't know if recent four means anything when recent is three months ago, but Joel Damon with a couple of top tens his last couple of starts. Bryce DeChambeau, three straight top fives. Uh, Daniel Berger, a couple of 
uh, top fives in his last two starts. So those are a couple of names, and you know, uh, at various places on the radar. I'm sure people are thinking about DeChambeau, not quite thinking about a Joel Damon, but those are some names who, if they can continue what they had started leading into the suspension of the schedule, uh, they can be some guys to watch this week and beyond. Love that. You also love putting the, and we love underdogs, you love putting the underdog underdog uh, lines out there for, hey, this is a great value play. And you mentioned Kevin Kisner earlier. Uh, again, if you follow the game of golf, you're going to know that name. If not, you're not really going to know a whole lot uh, about him. But as you mentioned, a previous winner at this course, uh, right now, at the time that we're taping the interview, odds really good. He is plus 9,000 to be the outright winner. You wrote about this. You really liked him as a serious underdog. Again, with the qualifier, I say this all the time, trying to pick, with the exception of picking Tiger Woods, trying to pick anybody to win a golf tournament in a given week is like picking the six lottery numbers on a Wednesday night or a Saturday night. Good luck with trying to pick that. But you like Kisner as the value play, and you wrote about that, Jason. Yeah, and we all love playing outrights. I mean, uh, I wouldn't suggest that if you're uh, gambling on golf for a living, if you're putting your mortgage up, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably not the way to do it. But we all want you all be holding a lottery ticket on the back nine Sunday afternoon with a chance to win a big number. So uh, we all like spraying it around the board a little bit. And Kevin Kisner at ninety to one, I think, is a tremendous play. As I mentioned earlier, he won this tournament just three years ago. He's had a couple of other top ten finishes. And uh, to me, so he's got the, the tangibles. You know, he, he likes the golf course. He plays well here. He has the right course fit. But the intangibles to me, I think, could be more important this week than at most events. You know, some guys are coming into this, no doubt, uh, not really knowing where their games are right now. You know, they played a little bit at home. and They've practiced a little bit, but they're not really sure how much they can do and whether they can get out there and really compete yet. Other guys are saying, look, we don't have a major championship for another three months. I'm not going to uh, try to peak too soon. I, I want to kind of ease my way into the second half of the year. To me, Kisner's like a thoroughbred lined up at the starting gates that's trying to buck the jockey off his back and is digging his hooves into the dirt and can't wait to get racing. I, I love his competitive attitude, his competitive spirit, and, and I think that really helps in a week where – some of the guys uh, are going to be a little apprehensive going out there without having played three months. And you you brought up another stat in your uh, Action Network article that I'm looking at right here from Jason Sobel that Kisner in the final round has played in the final round four times, including his victory in 2017, scoring average 66.25, really good in the final round if he's in the hunt. Keep an eye on that name. Another name, again, not a household name unless you follow golf, Ryan Palmer, who is a member at Colonial and is also a bit of an underdog long shot. You liked him as well, too, here to take a flyer on, right? Really like Ryan Palmer. Spoke with him on my own Action Network podcast this week. And uh, first of all, as you mentioned, he's a member at Colonial. And not just sometimes guys are members at a club. And it's like, yeah, I don't really go over there. I'm just a member. I pay my dues. But, you know, I'm not over there too much. Ryan Palmer is a member who goes out and plays the members' games all the time. He said uh, on Friday last week he shot a 64 with a bogey on the last hole. So, uh, he's not only playing there pretty frequently, he's playing there well pretty frequently, which I really like. He made a great point to me in that most of the guys in the tournament have never really seen the course without bleachers, without corporate tents, without fans lining gallery ropes. Sure, It's going, going to be the, the golf course in its natural environment 
for Ryan Palmer that he's used to. I think that can help. And the fact, uh, another one that he pointed out that I thought was really good, guys don't always play great golf at their hometown events because there's so many people around. they got to say hi to everybody. they got to get tickets for people. He said, look, I don't have to do any of that stuff this year. Uh, my neighbors and friends and family, they can all ask for tickets. They're not getting them because nobody can go to the tournament. So I don't have to deal with a lot of that outside pressure that I normally do at this golf tournament. He can go out there and just kind of show up and go play some golf. So I, I like all of those factors for Palmer this week. Love it. Love the insight of Jason Sobel from the Action Network. And again, you can find the Action Network podcast wherever you find podcasts to hear him talking more with Ryan Palmer couple of more moments left. So this kicks off the golf slate. And again, the schedule is readjusted. Some events are outright canceled that were missed in the last 90 days. Some of them have been moved. Jack's Memorial has been moved. We've moved the uh, the Masters to November. Quick thought on that. Masters in November. What say you, Jason Sobel? I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I can't wait to see Augusta National play a little bit differently with some fall foliage in the background. I think it's going to be really cool. I've had people say to me, oh, we're never going to remember the guy that won in November. I said, of course we're going to remember. We're going to re- oh, who said that? Who, wait, wait, wait. Had, wait, like, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like is that, is that like Collins? Like Michael Collins, our buddy oh, no, from uh, ESPN oh, days and, and my would, PGA I, Tour. Who in the world is saying we're not going to remember the person that may, may be the only winner ever for this tournament in November? Of course we're going to remember that. What planet are you on? Good Lord. The unnamed Twitter folks. The Twitter oh, yeah, the trolls. Pod. Yes, good for them. Stuff. Good. They have there, such they insight, so, such and, knowledge. And here's my, my other answer to them is, you know what? If you don't like it, guess what? You'll have one four months later in April, so don't yeah. worry too much or about it. Or watch the NFL if you would rather not because they're both going to be on, and, man, there's going to be some massive ratings for both on CBS. Can you imagine that? Uh, and then we've got then we've got the circumstance that the PGA Championship will still be in August. The tour is then going to play its playoffs. All things being equal, if they're able to roll out all of these events, uh, coronavirus uh, stays under control, and then play the U.S. Open in September, the week before the Ryder Cup. I mean, you talk about a schedule that is unlike any other. Uh, it, it is by necessity uh, weird, and it's going to be wild. I, I believe with this schedule. What do you think? I believe, and it's been a few weeks since I did this math when the schedule came out, but I believe it's 101 days from the first round of the PGA Championship until the final round of the Masters. And within that 101-day span, we've got three majors, three FedEx Cup playoff events, and a Ryder Cup, Mm. which uh, is still maybe on the line a little bit right now. And There's talk that uh, maybe they'll cancel the Ryder Cup if they indeed can't have fans. Which where where do you come down chance. on that? Where do you come down on that? Because I have an opinion, but I want yours first on Ryder Cup. No fans. Completely agree with the players who say that it needs fans, but I also understand the point of the PGA of America and the European Tour, which are businesses. And the businesses need to make money, just like any business out there. If you've got an opportunity to get of that profit back that you're lost out on over the past few months, uh, you need to do something. So I think it's fascinating. I think the, the final answer to this question will tell us who the real power player in this relationship is, the players or the organizations. 
I think it's a good point. And the players always, always seem to have the most leverage because if they say, and, and the tour is different, the tours are different because it's not like they're under contract like in the NBA, the NFL, et cetera. The players could say, hey, we're not going to play. And then what are you going to do uh, if uh, if you're the PGA of America and, um, and the European PGA uh, about playing it? I, I am in the camp. There should be fans there at this one. They should find a way to have some there. Golf with social distancing is easier have some atmosphere. And if they can't, I don't think they should play it. They're not asking me. They're not too bad they're not asking us, Jason. We could decide on a lot of this crap. But hey, if they're asking me, they shouldn't be doing it. We'll see what they do uh, with the Ryder Cup. Listen, it's a treat always to talk to you. Plug away on how we follow you on social media where we read you because he is fun to keep up with, especially here with the insight into the lines and the, the spreads and the odds and the underdogs on, on uh, golf. Uh, and the uh, and the betting uh, with that, Jason. Plug away on how they find you. You can find me on social media at Jason So T A N the Action Network on Twitter. You can't find me anywhere else on social media because that's enough for me to handle. <laughs> I can't do anything else on there. I can't handle a, an Instagram or a Snapchat or whatever TikToks going on. Uh, I'll leave that stuff to my kids. But you can find me on Twitter and of course all my content. On the Action Network, actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app, and I can't stress enough to people, if you're, if you're a sports fan, if you're betting a little bit, it doesn't have to be big money, but you're just betting a little bit, you want to track your bets, you want to uh, read some content out there, we, we've got some really smart people who do a lot of really good work. Uh, and this guy is right among them with such great insight on the game of golf. Love me some Jason Sobel. The PGA Tour is back. We're anxious to see how it unfolds, starting at Colonial in Fort Worth and ramping up all through the summer at different events, including major championships like he mentioned. Thank you, my friend. Always good to talk to you. Uh, the uh, the Caddyshack line that uh, that comes to mind on your deathbed, you'll receive total consciousness. Thank you for coming on uh, here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, Jason Sobel. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You call me, I come running. I'll tell you that much. Well, one of the things I love here on Three Dog Thursday is I get to catch up with buds, friends, faves, and one of my faves in the River City. I brag on him all the time because he was a mentor of mine longer ago than he and I both want to admit. Dave Woloshin in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, one of the the top voices in that market for going on, oh, I'm going to make him sound old, 35, 40 years now. Uh, everything from Memphis Tigers, but also anything uh, with the Mid-South, the city of Memphis, I go to him. Uh, including what we've been talking about with the NBA resumption here. So I got all different subjects to cover with Wolo as he's on the air every afternoon on the all-sports radio station, Sports 56 WHBQ. He and Brett Norsworthy, stats. Wolo and stats on every afternoon. He gives me some time here on Three Dog Thursday. Wolo, how you been? I'm great. Still ticking. That's the good news. <laughs> Aren't we all? We are day-to-day uh, at this point with everything that's happening. Uh, All right, so I made some comments earlier. Uh, We've had uh, other guests that have been making comments about the resumption of the NBA. Are you fine with the proposed plan of some of the teams are going to play some regular season games, but not all of them, and then we're going to play some playoffs, and this is going to bleed all the way into the fall while football is going on? Are you fine with this as it stands right now with the NBA resumption? I I am. I I think the NBA and they have the best relations between their commissioner, their union, the owners. It's it's really uh, 
great to watch when you see baseball struggling the way it is to see how a league can really operate where they are a true partnership. And this was about the best way you could compromise. Now, I, I would tell you there are people in Memphis, including the aforementioned Brett Norsworthy, Stats, my partner uh, in the afternoon, he thinks the Grizzlies got absolutely jobbed because they were in the eighth position by three and a half games when the season came to an end. I think this actually is a really good deal for the uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies because if if you looked at their probability, they had the toughest final 17 games of any other team in the NBA. They were having to take on Eastern powers and Western powers. They had only one team on their schedule in 17 games that wasn't going to Orlando for this new season-ending deal, and that was the New York Knicks. That was the one home game they would have had that was easy. Everybody else was in the playoffs uh, or in Orlando, and several of those, like Portland and New Orleans, were on the road. Their probability of making the playoffs was 43% by ESPN. This way, not only are you playing for the A spot, you're playing for the ninth spot. Now you're only going to have to play eight games. You've got a three-and-a-half game lead. If you maintain your eighth position, you only have to win one game, whereas the ninth seed would have to to, uh, to win two games in order to secure your spot in the playoffs. You have really more chances, a much better opportunity to make the playoffs now, I think, this way. So I think from a Memphis perspective, it's fair. What, what, what is, was there a really perfect way to end the season for the NBA? No, but I think they came up with about as good a plan as they possibly could. Hey, in terms of the fans, because you interact with fans all the time on the phones and social media, are the Grizzly fans, by and large, happy with this? Because I have to believe it's at least a 50-50 split where a lot of them were saying, hey, we, we deserve at the stoppage to be the eighth seed and be in the playoffs here. But what, what's the read on the fan base in Memphis? I, I think the fan base is, is just like myself and Brett. <laughs> We're split. Uh, some people think if the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion were in the eighth position, the the, the, the NBA would just start with the playoffs because they want Zion. They want Damian Lillard in. And I, I don't believe that. I, I really don't. I, I think this was a good way to, 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 to make the last eight games important and uh, to be a little bit more inclusive with the playoffs just to make it more interesting. And I think they've done that. Uh, but, but, again, you've got some people. You're never going to make everybody happy. I, I think the fans, I, I'd be curious about this, the, the Grizzlies so far have uh, said, if you want a refund on the, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, I think it's eight games that they are not going to play in Memphis. Those fans have been offered the opportunity to take that eight-game credit and use it toward next year's season tickets. They haven't said anything about a refund, and if I were a fan, I'd be, I'd be more well, concerned right, about that. Right. I, at, at this moment, I think for all of these sports, including the NHL at the end of their regular season, 
um, and and you know what's going to happen with all the deposits they took for baseball season tickets, uh, which again were based on a 162 game schedule and 81 home games that a lot of a lot of fans ponied up in advance at least some of their money. You got to be offering refunds at this point if people want part or all of their money back. You should be giving that to them. Uh, that seems to be the smart thing to do if you want to bring fans back to buy tickets to your games down the road. You brought up an interesting point to me off the air. Let's talk about it on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. And we don't know, but we got to play out all the contingencies. And you you said to me, I, I really am fearful. What happens if we have a team or one of the top teams, like say, for example, the Lakers? Let's say LeBron and several of the prominent Lakers, several Lakers, Lakers period, suddenly test positive for the coronavirus in the middle of their playoffs. What are they going to do? It's, it's an open-ended hypothetical. We don't really know. But uh, elaborate on what you and I were talking about off the air. This this is an Armageddon-type scenario because you would basically have to shut down that playoff series, one of two choices, for a couple of weeks, or you would have to say to the Lakers, you got to play without those guys, which is crazy to contemplate. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think that's the risk that they've decided to take on. There, there is no question that that is, is, is out there. Let, let's just say LeBron James... Uh, another starter and, and three, two rotation players come down with the COVID. You are fighting a major time deadline to get this done. I mean, you, I, I don't know if you've seen the latest, but the NBA is saying they want to start next season on December the 1st because they don't want to run into the Tokyo Summer Olympics the following year. So you're going to end, if this thing goes uh, to a dramatic finish, you're going to end this season in Orlando on October the 12th. You're going to start the next season, December the 1st. That means your, your camps open up basically the first week of November. You're getting a three-week break. So this is a real issue. And so I don't think they would stop the playoffs. I think they would just basically say, Lakers, you're going to have to play with whoever you got. And there will probably be replacement players, G League players. If something like that happens, they will probably bring them down to Orlando and they will become a part of this. And, and, and then there will be an asterisk put on these playoffs if that sort of scenario takes place. But I think that, the, you know, look, David uh, – uh, Adam Silver is a very, very smart man, and he he knows that there's risk to this. But they, you know, they're they're playing those final eight games, so they all get their t- t- local TV revenue streams that are important to those teams, and and then they're going to play these playoffs because they do get a, a a great deal of income. They're going to lose about forty percent of that revenue stream. Players have already lost one percent per loss game, um, and so in the Grizzlies' case, that's I think nine percent of their incomes are already gone. So they're they're just trying to recoup their money and keep people interested in their game, but there is a risk and they're willing to take it. Again, Dave Woloshin's voice. You hear Wolo and Stats, sports56whbq.com is how you can find them online. You hear them in that market in the Mid-South. Wolo has been a 
uh, really a four-decade radio host in that market, the voice of the Memphis Tigers. I could go on and on with you about so many subjects. We only have a few minutes here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. And again, I'm repeating once more, and we'll repeat it numerous more times, I believe it is a mistake that the NBA is not playing sooner, not playing already, not playing quicker, and they are going to run into multiple problems, including going head-to-head with football when it's all said and done in terms of their ratings. I'm on the record. Let's watch it all play out here. Uh, coming up on this. All right, speaking of things in Memphis, golf. We were talking with Jason Sobel earlier in this podcast about the resumption of the PGA Tour, which will be this weekend in February. My man Wolo and everybody in Memphis that loves golf and loves the traditional, the old Danny Thomas Memphis Classic, what has now been the FedEx St. Jude Classic and has now become a World Golf Championship event with uh, tremendous fields over the last couple of years and an invitational The World Golf Championship FedEx event, FedEx St. Jude uh, Invitational, is still slated to happen in July. Same question like with the Grizzlies. Is the area getting excited? I know it's a little off in the distance in July, but is the area getting excited that golf and the stars of golf will be coming there in the resumption of sports? What about it, Wolo? Well, I I think the true golf fans are. I, I don't think the general populace is going crazy yet because I haven't really seen it. They did watch Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the match. That was well-watched, and it was really a lot of fun. And it showed that golf purists and and even fans of sport are hungry for anything. And golf makes a lot of sense because of the social distancing. I, I don't necessarily agree with you at all about the resumption of the NBA going sooner. Because we still don't have all the answers to COVID-19 and safety precautions and, uh, and, and all of the other things that go into effect with this. So I, I think the NBA had to be cautious, and I, I think it was a smart move. I think golf is also a smart move because you can social distance caddies and players for the most part. Uh, and, and, and you don't have fans, at least for the first few weeks, till they go to the memorial in July. And, and, and by then, maybe we'll know more. Maybe we will be on the other side of the mountain coming down on the COVID-19 issues. The, the, there's, there's still some time, not a whole lot, of another month built in. But I, I think without fans, it's a no-brainer. With fans, I, I think the memorial will be, will be a, a great litmus test. I, I know they are making preparations at TPC Southwind here, but they have not yet. And at the end of this week, I think they will have some more concrete plans. They have not yet finalized how many people will be in. Will there be concessions? How many stands will be erected? And they got to start doing that if they're going to have them because we're inside 50 days. You're, you're talking about a lot of decisions that have yet to been uh, have yet to have been made, and so it's still being figured out. And really, what happens if there's a disaster at the memorial at Jack Nicholas's tournament with, with with people spiking, you know, five days after? And uh oh, what, what what are you going to do in Memphis as you're about to open up the gates? How many how many uh, tickets you're going to sell? I can guarantee you this: it will not be full galleries in Memphis. It would be really ironic. We've waited all this time for Tiger Woods to show up. Watch, he shows up and Memphis can only bring, you know, sell 3,000 tickets. <laughs> and, and right, uh, Tiger's never played there before, but may very well play in a World Golf Championship event. We'll see. Uh, and we haven't covered this yet, but they're slated to play in Hilton Head next week. And Tiger's yacht is apparently on the way and in the vicinity there, which is fueling speculation uh, that wow. he may be playing there. So there's spec- it's just speculation. He has until later this week. You may already know the answer about whether he's playing 
playing Hilton Head or not. If you're listening to us later on Three Dog Thursday on the podcast, we'll find out where Tiger plays, where he doesn't play. And again, um, in the Memphis case, it is going to be hot. It's going to be hot in a lot of places. So you got to think about hydration, fluids, water for fans and everybody that's involved and have that at the at the forefront of the concern with golf being outside. But the social distancing uh, part of it is easier with golf. There's no doubt. Hey, quick opinion, then I want to move on to boxing. I asked Jason Sobel, should they have the Ryder Cup if no fans are allowed to be there? I gave my opinion as well. You didn't hear it. I want your opinion. Should they hold the Ryder Cup, uh, which has become such a great watch for all of the back and forth and the fans and the home versus the road, what is your opinion on whether they should do it if there are no fans in September? Well, I, I'm just going to be selfish. Yes, of course. <laughs> I love the Ryder Cup. I know the fans make a big part of that. I get that. But if, if it's unsafe to do that, now you're talking about uh, you know a lot of travel and it's, it's, it's foreign travel and there's border restrictions. Who knows if it's even legal at this point in time? What if we have another surge between now and then and they close all these borders? So who could possibly know uh, the answer to to that question about fans? But we do know that in a bubble, you can send players. And we love the Ryder Cup. It is, you know, I I think you got the four majors in the Ryder Cup, and others might think the Ryder Cup's even better. Those are five events I would never miss, and I would hate, and we already lost the the Open Championship for, for this year. I would hate to lose that gem, and I do think golf is the safest of all the sports that we can play. And I must confess, I've been playing it quite a bit, uh, <laughs> even during the pandemic, because they sanitize the cards right. and make sure it's safe for all of us. I, I, I am all for it to, to still go on. I think it's too important not to have it. But you still are going to ask me for strokes if we play again, even though you've been playing all this time, Dave Woloshin from Sports 56 WHBQ. Uh, we got to get out of here in a, in a couple of moments, but I cannot let you get away. Monday night, this past Monday night, 18th anniversary of the only time, and what a time it was, that the heavyweight championship of the world in boxing was contested in Memphis, Tennessee. And this was not a ho-hum title fight. Hall of Famers Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson fought that night. It ended with a Lennox Lewis thunderous KO of Mike Tyson, solidifying Lewis's legacy once and for all, basically ending uh, any hope of Mike Tyson regaining the heavyweight championship for a third time. And lo and behold, my guest here on the podcast was there, was right there in the pyramid in downtown Memphis, Tennessee, when you think back on that night, heavyweight title, glitz and glamour and all of that happening in Memphis, what do you remember fondly about Lewis ending up thumping Mike Tyson? Well, first of all, the buildup was unbelievable. And there is no atmosphere like there is with a championship fight. The Kentucky Derby might be one for those two minutes where it is so doggone electric. Mm. Uh, NBA Finals, World Series, those those types of things, especially Game 7s, you get just constant, constant uh, elevation of emotions. Well, a, a, a prize fight seems to be that on steroids. I, I, I am serious, a championship fight. And in this particular case, you've got this Tyson Lewis, who's this uh, 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 Lennox Lewis, excuse me, uh, it, who is uh, really sort of an articulate guy with a British accent. And uh, you've got Mike Tyson, who likes to call himself an animal. And uh, he, he 
remember, he is just coming back in this fight from having bit Evander uh, Holyfield's ear and right. being fined $3 million and being out of boxing, lost his license. So he just gets it back, and this is the first fight back. So everybody is going crazy o- around the world, not just Memphis. So I am in the stands, and I got a press pass, and I am sitting with a, a guy who covers basketball for the commercial appeal at that time, Gary Parrish, who now works for CBS Sports. And Gary and I are probably sitting and talking Tigers, to be honest with you. And two fellas come up, <laughs> and they go, hey, can we sit here? And we go, sure. Those two fellas now are just the most major superstars you could possibly ever have. But at the time, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> was kind of a star. He, <laughs> he, he had already done Titanic, and he was a right. child star. So people kind of knew who he was. The other guy was Tobey Maguire, and Spider-Man had just come out. And, and not that many people knew Maguire, but they knew DiCaprio. But, but they were still relatively new, so a lot of people didn't realize who the heck was sitting next to us. And we're just BS. And, and then the, uh, I think it was DiCaprio wanted to get some beers. So Parrish goes, I, I, I know what the beer thing is. Just follow me. So they get up to go. <laughs> and uh, there's a, an usher down on the bottom of the staircase. And, you know, Parrish has a pass. So he just goes right through and he's waiting for DiCaprio. And the, the woman <laughs> usher says, uh, you have a pass like he does, and and DiCaprio goes, no, no, I I really don't. I'm just I'm just going to go get a beer, and she goes, I'm sorry, sir, I cannot let you buy without a pass, <laughs> and he never said, do you know who I am? Or I'm on it. <laughs> he just said, and Parrish goes and, and up there and, and says, hey, he he's with me. Let him go, and she goes, I, I'd love to, Gary, but I I he's got to have a pass. We are really under strict orders. And DiCaprio just said, cool, don't worry about it. Walk back up to me. But I thought it was so funny. So then Parrish Parrish had to carry four beers. Yeah, Parrish had to carry four beers, but he carries a lifetime story that I got to go where Leonardo DiCaprio couldn't go. I mean, that's that's a phenomenal story uh, on that. It's incredible. And and these and, and these and fights, people, you have all kinds of things like that with with stars and with yeah. sightings and and the so tell me this as it wore on and the punches were landing, what was that atmosphere like? And were DiCaprio and McGuire going crazy like everybody else watching it? Yes, every, every everybody was going bonkers. Everybody, I mean, like I say, in the eighth round when he got floored, the place went nuts, and. Um, it, it was really a good fight all the way. Uh, there, there, Tyson had a couple of flurries. Lewis pretty pretty much, is, if, if my recall, and this is what is it, uh, eighteen years ago? Right, is that what right, it was? Right. Um, yep. Uh, my, my recall isn't exactly. I can give perfect, you the quick. The I, quick I thought, synopsis is what you thought. Lewis primarily yeah, dominated, but, but, and yeah, and it was almost yeah. inevitable by the seventh and the eighth round that he had worn him down and he knocked him out. But still, you got to witness. Uh, Tyson being KO'd right in front of you in the town where you've been, it, it had to be quite a moment. It was. It, it, it was quite a night because that that wasn't the only star. There were people coming up stars, and I, I, I it, there was a, a, a several movies that Billy Crystal w- was in with a a, a very talented uh, African American. He danced a lot. Uh, he's he's not with us anymore. He came. Gregory Hines. You're I talking about Gregory Hines, Gregory the Hines. dancer and actor. Very yes. Good recall. Gregory Hines comes up 
to uh, tell them how much he appreciates their work. I don't even think they realized who he was. It was that kind of night where stars were talking to stars, and I just it, it was it was magical. And 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 I I got to tell you, Memphis really pulled that one off. There were there were two brothers, Brian Young and. Um, his brother really put this thing together. It was the, they were local boxing promoters. It was, I don't even know how they got this deal. It was, I can tell you part like, of it. They paid $12 million when it, when it went back up for bid, right. they paid 12 right. million in, in 2002 dollars, which is probably give or take like 15, 16 million in the present day money. So they, they ponied up and they were right. They were right to bring it there because it, it ended up, being a huge night uh, again, oh, he, this man carried off perfectly by the city. This this man has been around all kinds of big events throughout his career, including a heavyweight title fight, including uh, getting to share beers and fun and laughs with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. You didn't get their phone numbers right. You don't you don't have like any no. special access to any future no, movie premieres but, out of that. Come on, come on. No, but I will tell you this last thing on it: they are sitting there at the fight. They've just flown in, right? And they're going, let's see, if this thing ends, oh, let's say it ends at 1030. That's still 830 in L.A. We're, get, we're going to just go straight to the airport. I think we can make this disco uh, at least by midnight <laughs> L.A. time. So they just came for the fight. That's the life of a movie. Hey, hey, that's how they roll. That's how Wolo rolls. rolls. I'm surprised you and Parrish didn't talk your way onto the plane to go to L.A. and go party with those guys later that night. But that's a story for another day. Um, I love that. Parrish might have, for all I know. He bought the beer. He bought the beer. I love this man's insight. Again, Wolo and Stats are an institution weekday afternoons uh, in Memphis on Sports 56 WHBQ 87. 7 FM uh, as well. Find them at sports56whbq.com. Uh, talking it up and chopping it up with everything Memphis sports. They've got the Grizzlies when the NBA resumes. They've got the golf coming to them. Love this man's insight. I'm hoping we get some college football and some Memphis Tigers because you know I'm an alum. You've been the longtime voice of the Tigers for going on 30 years. Let's get a Tiger football season going. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for spending time with me here, reminiscing about all of this and plugging me in on what's going on in Memphis here on Three Dog Thursday. Thank you, Wolo. My pleasure, and hopefully we, uh, we have a football season to talk about. We'll do it then. There he goes. Love my man, Wolo. He and Brett Stats, Norsworthy, Sports56WHBQ.com. Thanks also to Jason Sobel with me from the Action Network on all those insights and gambling lines uh, for the upcoming golf here as part of Three Dog Thursday uh, as they resume here at Colonial with the Charles Schwab Challenge and the rest of the PGA Tour schedule starts to fall into place and we'll have, as Jason said, all of those majors and the Ryder Cup in a barrage of about 100 days with the PGA Tour playoffs later on in the year. Uh, So we thank Jason for being here. And all the way back at the beginning, my thanks as well to Brian Edwards from Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. Love Brian's insight with the futures betting with the NBA. That Heisman pick of Najee Harris of uh, Alabama. Again, he is all about the lines with the football here in the offseason. But the NBA coming as well, the NHL, boxing back, the UFC. Stick uh, with Brian there 
from MajorWager.com. Follow him at VegasBEdwards as well. Great follow on Twitter. Follow Major Wager at Major Wager Uno for the number one, Major Wager Uno on social media as well. I am merely TJ Reeves. Again, however you found the show from my uh, friends and colleagues at Sports Gambling Podcast Network, or if you found it on a social media link, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Easiest way is Apple Podcast or Spotify. You can find us as well on Google Podcast, Spreaker, wherever you find podcasts. But Apple Podcast, Spotify, subscribe to Three Dog Thursday, rank us, review us. Podcasts will come automatically to you. Uh, more and more of you are finding the show. Thank you for doing that. Subscribe away uh, here to Three Dog Thursday. That'll do it for now. Enjoy everything being back that's back, including the golf for this week. we got the fights. We've got the NASCAR, soon-to-be hoops and hockey and hopefully some baseball. Get it figured out, MLB, Rob Manfred. The players want to play. The fans want to see the games. Get it figured out. That'll do it for now. I'm done. Thank you for being with me here on the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to those underdogs. We love it on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.